Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. This is a CBC podcast. Mark Champagne, the strongest name of a guest we've ever had on this fucking podcast. It really that's, is. That's true, yeah. Um, and the strength the strength runs deep with this man. Brian uh, said to me before the episode, he goes, uh, um, I said, I said, oh, our guest's last name is Champagne. That's amazing. And Brian goes, it's not the guy from your mom's house, is it? No, I didn't <laughs> say that. I said, it's not a celebrity, is it? Until I was like, the guy from your mom's house? No, that's... Oh, that's uh, right, right, right. That's if you what's don't listen to that podcast, you're not going to get it, and I'm glad that you don't. It's good, um, yeah. Don't, don't even look it up. But speaking <laughs> of strength, speaking of a strong name and a strong uh, constitution, uh, Mark, first of all, so nice to see you again. It's been a couple of years, uh, but uh, I had the pleasure of being on your podcast, Behind the Human, um, and how about like, just to start things off, cause I, I really do love, love your show. Give our listeners, uh, just a shameless plug of behind the human, <laughs> what it's all about and how people can uh, tune in. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's great to see you as well. And to the two guys on the bottom of my screen there, nice to meet you guys. Um, so behind the human, real simple, my whole goal with that show, and, and it started up with a, with a, an app, a wellness app that I had created or co-founded a few years back. Um, the goal is really to unpack mental fitness practices from people that you wouldn't expect to have those practices. So everyone, you know, could default to thinking like the meditation coach or the yoga instructor or whatever, you know, they're doing these things like meditation and journaling and reflection and mindfulness practices. But, you know, like what about the Michelin star chef or the designer or the writer or the developer, like everyone has their, their sweet spot. And the, the idea of the show is just to unpack that so that listeners on the other side can have, you know, find some relatability. Be like, yeah, I'm a project manager for Google and fuck that person's struggling too. And this is what they're doing. Right. So that's, that's mm. the, the goal of the show. It's been around for about four years now, 200 and so episodes. And, uh, I love every second of it. It's fun. I, I'm, yeah. I imagine that you've you've must you must have learned a fuckload from having those types of conversations. Are there any like uh, practices that that you've sort of heard or learned about from your guests that you're like, oh, I've now picked that up and that has now become part of your routine? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing has been just being open to trying new things. Like the thing that comes to mind right now is uh, like moon energy and all like astrology and stuff like that. Mm. I mean, before I started the show, I would have been 
what, what are you talking about? Like, I'm, what I'm, kind of? I'm right? so glad you're going down this road right now. Continue, continue. Yeah, but like, where, like, you know, where, where are the crystals hiding? Type thing. Mm. And I, I interviewed Jill Winterstein, who's actually in the book that I just wrote as well. Um, and she runs the Instagram account Spirit Daughters, like 1.3 million people following along there and whatnot. And like John Hopkins trained neuro something type thing. So like coming from a a strong like neuro uh, science background. And I remember finishing that interview thinking like, what kind of, like, who, who am I to judge this kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the lesson was, Hey, I'm doing this kind of reflection and these practices. Um, anyway, I'm asking the questions. I'm taking the time to slow down and, and do that writing. Why the hell not would I time it with energy happening, energy up in the, in the sky that has the power to move tides. Yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like, you know, just things like that, just exploring stuff that what do you have to lose? Yeah. Right? Okay. So, so to that point, I love that you brought that up because, um, so it, I, I started dating, uh, my, my now partner about a year ago. And before this, um, this is going to sound confusing for anyone who doesn't know that I'm in a polyamorous relationship. So my wife, my wife and I, be, uh, actually, today <laughs> today is our 10-year anniversary. So we've been together for uh, a total of, I think, 13 or 14 years. But our 10-year hey, wedding anniversary Jared. is today. Thank you very much. And yeah. um, for those 10 years of our marriage, actually, for the, for the first, like, nine years, I'll say, I, we had this, like, kind of running joke, especially on our, our podcast, Turn Me On, that we do together. This sort of running joke uh, that, like, I really, I really push away and, like, keep an arm's length from anything quote unquote woo woo yeah uh so you know like tarot cards and fucking you know like wit like love magic and you know whatever you name it and so uh again it was a running joke but but the joke there there was a seriousness to the joke like because i was very shut off to those those kinds of ideas and so now i'm i I start dating this this beautiful human leah about a year ago and uh i i fall pretty heavily in love pretty quickly and our, on our very first date, I, we met up at a park and she was sitting under this tree and I see her and she's sitting on the ground and she's got these like cards laid out in front of her and, and she sees me coming and she's like quickly like, like, sh- like putting, like scurrying the cards away. And, and I say, hey, like nice to meet you or yeah, nice to see you. We, we had met years and years before and I was like, nice to see you. I was like, what do you, what do you got going on here? What are you, what are you doing? And she was like, oh, fuck. Um, well, I'm, I'm. I'm reading, I'm doing like a reading, a tarot reading. I'm, I'm, I'm in a tarot course right now. I'm like really into tarot cards. <laughs> Jared, course, I can't believe, I can't believe that it, it's an understatement to say that you are like anti woo woo stuff. And I can't believe you didn't see her with those cards on the ground under the tree and just walk just right by. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. So, so I, so, so she says this and I kind of like chuckled to myself. I go, Oh God, here we go. And, uh, and she was like, I, but, but, but I was, you know, I wanted to, I was like, cool. Tell, like, tell me about the course. And she starts telling me about this course. And then, and I don't really know shit about tarot, right? And then she starts telling me about the history of tarot and how it all began as like a game. Um, I believe it was a game from like a card game from Italy, like way, 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 way back. And I was like, oh, that's fucking cool. And then she's, she's talking a little bit about how she uses it. And, and she goes, would you, do you want me to do a reading for you right now? And I was like, oh, uh, sure. Like, you know, yes, and I'm going to yes, and this scenario right now. And she does a reading for me. And I was, I'm not going to lie. I was, I was like really 
taken aback by the results of the cards that popped up. I was kind of like, whoa, shit. You know, my, do- my, my dog had just gotten sick. Um, uh, I had just gone through like a recent breakup. Uh, there, there was like a bunch of stuff happening in my life. And these cards were like representing, or at least what I was taking from the readings. They were sort of like, it was like a mirror, kind of like flashing these things to me that I had never really considered. And I was, I was like, wow, this is really actually kind of cool. And I quickly had this, this, um, I quickly had this realization that, at least for myself, and I'm sure there's other people that read tarot now that, that have the same thought where I was like, oh, this is like kind of a gamified version of like self-therapy. It's just self-reflection mm-hmm. um, that, you are, that you are forced to look into based off these cards that you pull. And again, it's, it's kind of like a game. Right. And whether you believe in the magic of like the specific card being sure. pulled for you in that situation or whatever, it is it like you're go- if you have some type of experience that's on your mind in that moment that you're looking at that card and it's sort of asking you that question of like, you know, yeah. what comes up for you when you when you when this card is pulled or you hear yeah. this story, you think about this thing. It's, and then you, it's like and a form it is of like therapy. It's like a form <laughs> of way, journal. Yeah. It's like a form of journal prompting. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> and so then I got hooked. And now I, 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 I'm saying it right now on the podcast. I don't think I've ever like said it publicly. <laughs> but I, in his back pocket. <laughs> I, I, I brought, I brought my cards with me to Toronto. Own I, custom deck. I, yeah, I hey. do have my own custum deck now. And, and I, 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 Has he told ter- you this Taylor? He posted I, it. I actually, the other day. I, I, I actually did buy a really nice deck recently. Anything um, that Jer won't say to me face to face, he posts on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so it's become a, like a, an actual like integral part of my, my, day to day. And it, it's something that I really cherish and I really love. And it's something that for years I would have shrugged off as silly or, you know, uh, whatever, woo woo. I'm saying here, sitting, talking, saying, talking about woo woo when I have a giant tattoo of fucking aliens on my back and I believe in aliens. So who, who am I to say? But, but the, but the point is that, is that that is a, now a part, and I've never thought about it this way, but that is now a part of like my daily mental fitness. It is something yeah. that is actually like a really important piece to allowing me to feel a little bit more clarity, a little bit more, um, a little bit more introspective. Um, and it's, it's, it's something that I really do value and cherish. And so, so having said all that, big tangent, throwing back to you, Mark, what it, we've talked about this on the show before with, with other folks, but it, I want to hear from you and, and what your thoughts are. To you, what is mental fitness? What is this idea of mental fitness? For me, in a, the, the definition that I created, for, at least for myself, was actually to help open people up to stuff that w- you, just, you just brought up. Because in, in the world of journaling, what I used to always get, especially four years ago, was, oh, you're talking about the girl writing her diary about the boy at school, you know, 13 years old. I'm like, no, I'm, there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm talking about really powerful reflective questions. Mm. So I started speaking about this work under the umbrella of mental fitness because it didn't it didn't carry the stigma of mental health, but it encompasses mental health. Mm-hmm. It it also links up with mental resilience, performance, like all of that stuff. And I think a lot of us can relate a little bit easier with fitness, physical fitness. Mm-hmm. So why not tack on, okay, well we we get physical fitness, that's something that we're deciding that we're motivated, we're doing for our health. Well, mental fitness is the same thing. It's a, de- it's a decision versus mm-hmm. being kind of pushed into you have a problem of some sort, Yeah. right? Even though it's all in there. 
I, I wanted to, uh, you know, Jared told that that story at the, the top that that went on for it felt like ages. And, uh, you know, Mark, I know that you're here and we want to we want to get to know you, you more. But I, I also have this story that I, I can't help. But <laughs> just w- to set w- up for I, another 10 minute story. <laughs> <laughs> that was well done. Was really just wow. casually, seamlessly. When he's done, episode. I got a 15 minute little, uh, little doodad I'd like to throw in there. I as promise well. I'll keep this one short. But I, I, I wanted to share it because um, I've always liked the idea of journaling and when you talk about that like our sort of um idea of like what it means to journal and we think of that that girl writing about the boy that she's in love with or has a crush on um i've all i've never really been able to get around like i've never been able to like come up with the types of questions that i could ask myself that would bring out those sort of like um really powerful uh, moments of self-reflection that would manifest in this, in, in a journal entry. Uh, and I, it was really until la- like I had a really, really, really powerful moment in therapy last week. Um, I've been going to therapy for the last uh, six or eight months or so. And um, this was probably like my 10th or 12th session. And I, I realized in this, this past week that we've sort of gotten into this habit in therapy. My, my therapist and I were like, I'll sort of talk about something that I want to talk about and we'll like sort of um, go from the, the, the surface layer down into like what are sort of like the underlying, you know, what is the underlying like sort of root of this? Like why, why am I exhibiting these habits or why do I make these types of decisions or why do I do this type of thing? And we'll get down to like this ultimate question, like what is this, like where does this thing come from? Mm-hmm. And then we sort of sit with that and she asked me if like i if i would like her to um sort of prompt me or engage or if, or if i'd just like to sort of sit in silence for a bit and oftentimes i like sitting in in silence and so this this particular moment during my last therapy session i sat there for like 15 minutes and we're we're just looking at each other and i've got this question that i'm trying to 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 sort of solve or answer for myself and i'm i'm working through it and i'm thinking about it and I go through this like almost sort of like this like problem solving schematic that I've sort of like built up over these sessions that I've had with her. And I'm sort of getting into this habit of like analyzing these problems in these specific ways and really trying to understand where it comes from. Not not necessarily why or not necessarily how to influence it or just like where does this come from? Like what is that? Like what is what is at the root of this? And so um I had this moment in my last therapy session where after like the 15 minutes, I just said, I'm good. Like I all, all what came out of my mouth was I'm good. And she said, why did you say that? And I was like, because I, I feel like I got to a point where I don't need to know why I don't need to know how I don't need to know like how to control this. I just understand. I understand where this comes, comes from. And so that was amazing. It was super powerful. But then Two days later, I was driving in my car and I was feeling anxious about something totally different. And I was driving along and I started to think, why do I feel this way? And I started to like go through that process on my own. And it was my first time taking that approach outside of therapy and applying it. Like I, I felt like it was, it was emotionally overwhelming. I was like, holy fuck, I have, I have a tool. I, I developed a tool and and I worked through this thing while I was driving and I got to my destination and I was like, I don't feel anxious anymore. Ooh. I feel good. Like I, and it's not like this, it's not this like profound, like I understand everything. It's like this, it's like this really 
comforting, like it's okay type yeah. of feeling. Ooh. And that is now like, this is the first time I've thought of like, oh fuck, I could actually actively be doing that by sitting down and maybe journaling or doing some other type of practice that might mm. sort of help me, you know, do that more proactively. And maybe that's, that's my fitness. mental, yeah, maybe but that's you, what you I You were already doing the mental fitness through, through, through the therapy, right? And just like a physical, like training for a marathon or something like that, like when you're at the event, you're relying on your, your past training. So now you're in the mm -hmm. car, you're doing like things are happening and that, that work is coming up. And that's why I like mental fitness, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're speaking right. my language for sure. And, and questions. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really it's, interesting. What are, let's go, go for it, Jay. Uh, when you, when you were talking earlier, Mark, about, you know, the looking outside of the, looking outside of the, the sort of stereotypical people that, that we think have, the answers to these questions that we have about how you, you know, how you practice mindfulness and how you, how you achieve success and perform well and all these things. And, and you mentioned, you know, Michelin star chef, all these different occupations. What are, we just had a conversation just before we recorded, just before this conversation with you, where we were talking about, where we were talking about um, like social biases and, um, and like painting, painting groups of people with like really broad strokes. And, uh, and I'm wondering, like, what what are some of the what is what is the like a type of person or something where a person does a certain a particular job where where you're where the average person would think like, wow, that's not that's not a place where I would think to find a gem of how to take care of my mental health, my mental fitness and like and and thrive. Yeah, great question. So why don't we let's go back to that that chef example so i was interviewing this guy atul kochar a michelin star restaurant in, in london uk and i mean a kitchen is probably the last place you would expect to find any type of stillness or quiet or you know mental health related practices things like that but what he shared was yeah in the evening it's wild but when he comes in early in the morning to chop parsley by himself before the rest of the, the team comes in, that's the moment of stillness for him mm. to think and let that stuff release. And like, that's the stuff that it doesn't matter what profession or what you're doing. Anyone performing at a certain level has something like this going on in, in their mm. life, right? Mm. And what I found to, to, to help is that if you're asking questions, at least you can, you can get started in the process because we're all already asking questions throughout life. It's just, are we asking the right ones and can we upgrade mm. them? Can we ask them at a, a little bit more of a well-timed scenario? So this, this chef, a tool, I mean, I don't know what he'd be reflecting on at that moment, but I guarantee something's going on probably in his life. Like he's human, like the rest of us. And during that time of stillness, he can use questions and whether he's writing that down or just thinking of them, to release some of that emotion, right? And process some stuff. And we, and we probably, and I would, I would, uh, I would wager that we all have, we all have those moments or tasks or space in our day-to-day -day lives that we, that we probably don't even recognize have the opportunity to be that moment for us because, yeah. because we are, because it's so easy to be, um, you know, to be in the future, to be in the, you know, the, the stress that's coming later, the responsibilities that are coming up, the scheduling things. And you can sort of, 
not even recognize that this task that I, you know, I wake up in the morning and I do every day, or I always have this one thing that I have to do that's like supremely, you know, it's just me and it's quiet and it's my thoughts, but I, I never really get to my thoughts because I'm always outside of myself that like we all have like moments in our day that mm. we could take advantage yeah. of to turn into that experience. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and you guys asked me about like one, one of the big learnings from the podcast. I, I would say that one of the biggest thing, things that I've picked up is that 100% of everyone on, on, on the show have in some capacity mastered mastered the pause and yeah. i you know the pause is when we can make take a, a couple seconds to make a different decision or wait before we react and that's where again where i feel like questions allow for the pause right and it's not our fault fuck society's messed up it's all like production oriented and like can you get the the most done possible and go 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 and if you're not posting a hundred thousand you know images on on instagram to do this like you're not succeeding but I don't know. I mean, the, the people I've interviewed, they're making billion dollar decisions in a 50 minute window, closing their eyes, trying to see if it feels right without knowing the variables. I mean, that's, that's a true yeah. story. So, you know, sometimes to slow down like that, I, I wouldn't even say sometimes, I mean, we can probably always get some sort of benefit in, in the pause or slowing down to think. Mm -hmm. Mark, I, I'm, I, I'm curious to know, and and speaking of mental fitness, if if you if everybody hears a bunch of fucking background racket here, my dog is working his mental fitness by playing with himself um, and a, a deer antler. Uh, oh, gratitude! That is, that is click clacking around the the hardwood floors here. Um, good good job, Donut. You keep that mental fitness up, buddy. Um, but uh, speaking of mental fitness, and 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 this. Um, this sort of uh, journey that you've been on over the last four years or so. Um, with the with with Keo the app and and with behind the human the, the podcast and and now this book, what's your like? What is the origin story here for you? Like what what where did yeah. this drive come from? Um, in in you in, in in like wanting to kind of narrow down and and hone in on all of these people's sort of personal tactics to flex this this mental this mental health muscle the the working their mental fitness sure i'll give i'll give here's a short answer of five let's call it five years of a hell of a lot of ups and downs but 10 years in the corporate world um in brand management and marketing actually Jer jeremy i think we probably talked about this on the last show. I was working at Novartis at one point on their cystic fibrosis drug, mm, Toby. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, left that world because throughout those 10 years, early in the morning, I was always getting up usually an hour before my day was starting. And I was, I was learning about these practices. Because when I came straight out of university, was hired, everyone was trained up in the same way. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be able to stand out. And I was in sales at that time if I don't do something different. And that's something different for me was at the time reading blogs and stuff like that. Then all of a sudden this stuff starts coming up. It's like success magazine or Tony Robbins, like all the usual suspects. And that's what, that's what tipped me off to the concept of journaling. And Robin Sharma was a big one. Another Canadian guy. that's a pretty big author. Um, it was him actually that, that really like reading his work that tipped me off to, wow, there's, there's a really interesting practice that's literally been around since the beginning of time. And I kept doing it, kept doing it, used it for work-related things, personal things. And I was traveling a lot at that time. And it started becoming, started to become really frustrated with the digital options 
for journaling and guided because what I would do is I'd, I'd read this stuff or I'd listen to podcasts. I'd hear the questions that the, that the guests were leaving behind on their big pivotal moments. And usually the host would just kind of glaze over. It's like, yeah, yeah, I built this company. It crashed, it blew up. Then I asked myself this, and now I, I started another company. I'm like, whoa, wait, wait a second. Like <laughs> one question just essentially saved your, your life or your journey. Um, and then I would reflect on that in my own, in my own practice. So eventually I just grew frustrated. I said, there's got to be a better way to do this. The meditation apps were starting to launch around that time, Headspace, Calm. So I'm like, people are, seem to be open to some sort of digital guidance <clears throat> when it comes to this. And basically schemed up um, uh, a visual of, of what Keo became, right? Was, which was think of a, a meditation type app, but it was a journaling app that was guiding you with questions. And not just our questions, it was, it was questions from that chef, questions from Lego, from VaynerMedia, brands, people, individuals, again, with the whole re relatability factor. Um, we reached 86.9 million people with that app in, uh -huh. in two years, thankfully with, with Apple features and no paid media. And I share that, not, not to try to brag about the number, but I share it because in the same year that we reached those, those people, I was also sitting in a co-working space in Toronto looking at that Apple dashboard. And my next step was to hit delete from App Store because financially and the business models we had set up just weren't working and we, we had run out of money and mentally too, we were tasked. So that's what led me down this path because that was a really, that was a fucking dark moment because I had just left the job that actually, you know, I enjoyed. It wasn't one of those scenarios where I hated going into my work. Um, but I also didn't feel aligned anymore with that. I knew I wanted to stay in more kind of preventative health and mental fitness. That's what felt really right. I just deleted the business that was supposed to lead me down that path. I'm living in a city that I don't really enjoy in a place that we can't afford anymore. And for the, for the first time in my life, not having any type of plan for figuring like what I remember thinking like, this is what it must feel like on the cusp of entering a really deep depression. Cause it just felt hopeless and uh, terrifying, mm. but it was the reflecting back on all the interviews and all of the practices that thankfully I was able to pick up through that app that the realization was made that, well, wait a second, all these people I've interviewed, they're asking a very different set of questions. They're asking progressive questions to get you out of these types of scenarios because they're all going through those peaks and, and, and valleys as well. And that's essentially one question. And this, I stand really firm by this, that we're all one question away from a completely different life and business setting, different outcome. And for me, that question was, what do I want for my life? And then, mm. you know, question by question, then at least I was able to have a plan to move forward. And that's why I started writing the book because I really believe in this language of questions that again, positioned in a way that's relatable. Like you're not going to find mm. the, the Dalai Lama and, um, and uh, Deepak Chopra in this book. I mean, these are people I learned from, but you're going to find Kobe Bryant, Maya Angelou, Robin Williams, James Clear, Ryan Holiday. I mean, people that we, we understand their work or, or can resonate because they're doing these things too. Mm -hmm.
Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel, ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast, Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you got your podcasts. I, I think that that's incredibly powerful. That idea that we're all one question yeah. away from that change. It and like it, it is. It, it's 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 so true. And when I hear you say that, I, I think like wow, like we, like change isn't really that hard. Like we we all get into these like sort of um, ruts or get on these tracks that feel like they're so hard to get off of because like you build this sort of like security around this idea that like, you know, of what feels right at the time and then time goes by and things change and maybe you're not on the path that you thought you were meant to be on, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, but it isn't that hard to get off. It's, it can be fucking scary. It, yeah. it can, it can be overwhelming, but like by asking, I think that's an amazing way to think of it by asking that, finding that right question to ask, it can just be the catalyst mm. for this like incredible shift that um, I, I can only imagine uh, how positively can it would, it will shape yeah. and impact your yeah. mental health. Well, it's yeah. really hard to, it's really hard when you're asking, when you, when you're asking yourself question, questions and you know, there's a, there's a, um, you have, you have like an, you have your instinctual response. Like the answer is already, within you, especially when you're asking like a deep question, like, what do I want for my life? Like, like you might need to think about it to, to think about like the material aspect of what that is, but, but you yeah. kind of know instinctively like what you want for your life. Like you can envision the type of feelings that you want to have in your life, the type of the feeling that you have about your relationships in your life. And, and when you ask questions, making sure that dog's not chewing anything, when you ask those questions and you and you you start to lie to yourself about it. It's such Ooh, it's yeah. it's like a it's a it's a gooey feeling. Like like it's settle. an icky feeling. Like <laughs> you know it. You know it in your chest and your shoulders. You can feel like I'm trying to move away from the from the truth. And it's hard to it's hard to put into words. It's just a feeling that you have and and it's and it becomes very hard to not to not try to answer that question truthfully and satiate the, the, the sort of like desire or the, or the direction that, 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 that question is going to pull you in. And to, and to, to piggyback that on that and, and ask you, Mark, for sake of not doing what you said so many podcasts do and glaze over the question that sort of changed your life. Like when, when you ask yourself, like, what do you really want? Like how, how does that create that change? Because it's easy to like, imagine you asking yourself that question, but like, how do you actually take action on some, on, yeah. On, on an action, such a big question that's so hard for a lot of people to answer. Well, f first of all, what it what it does and what it did for me was if I was if I didn't ask that question, what I was thinking about was how am I going to make rent next month, right? And then now mm -hmm. you're in this whole fear looping state that I don't I don't care who you are. If you're in this this tremendous amount of fear, it's really hard to think clearly and yeah. and make good decisions, right? So. A question like that paused again, the, the power of that pause. And then it brought hope back into my mm -hmm. life, right? Which I had lost because of that, that experience. So now, now I have a list of things that 
you know, feel right to me. And to, to your point, I mean, you know, when they don't feel right. So you, there's no point in lying with yourself. I mean, be truthful on the page. Um, then you can go back to that list and like, again, use it as a trigger to, to remind yourself, okay, well, this is, this is what, this is where I'm, I'm heading and I can make a plan to reverse engineer that like, okay, I'll take these steps to go here and, and get closer and closer and feel like, okay, I'm, I'm making progress here. I, cause mm. I, I, th- I really think curiosity saves lives. Like I mm. think of, mm. I wrote a profile on Stephen Hawking in the book and everyone knows Stephen Hawking. I mean, you, you see his image, he's in the wheelchair, ALS, um, crazy physicist, you know, global recognized work. What I didn't know was that he literally was diagnosed with that, with that disease. I think he was 21 years old. And at the time, the life expectancy was something like three to five years. Well, he lived until 76. Wow. And there's a line, I got to pull it up because it's, it's worth, there's a line that he said that I, I remember sitting back in my chair and be like, fuck, like mm. that's, that's serious. He said, I have been very lucky. My disability has not been a serious handicap. Indeed, it has probably given me more time than most people to pursue the quest for knowledge. The guy was mm. twitching his cheek to type and move a wheelchair around. I mean, there's the curiosity, right? Like he was asking questions in terms of, of solving problems with the universe and back to energy and whatnot of, of, of the cosmos and whatnot. But like, you know, I don't have the science to back this, but I I really think that kept him going, right. Kept Mm. him going and motivated. And like, he was a funny guy. That was the other thing I kept learning, like the humor coming out of him and the jokes he'd crack. Mm. So all to say, you know, that's where it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. I think if you, if you can land on the, on a powerful question, there's immediate gratification in the sense that it can stop the internal narrative. You can do that with gratitude questions, right? You can't be grateful and upset at the same time. Impossible. Mm-hmm. So you can use those for, for immediate calming. Um, and then use bigger questions as a, as a guide, right. And as a bit of a roadmap to help you through it. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, uh- <laughs> Who's going? I, I would like to go. <laughs> uh, well, I, I was going to say the the book we we haven't even said the book is titled Personal Socrates. Uh, it's it's due to be published in in October of this year. Um, yeah. and and obviously, like through through what you've said so far, there's there's a lot of like, um, it sounds like there's there's quite a bit of sort of exploring the ways that these people that we look up to have sort of used this. I, I guess it's the Socratic method of of like questioning, yeah. like personal questioning, to to get to a place where they've they they thrive and where they, you know, they they they're able to be at a place where they where they find themselves in life. Um, on top of the of exploring what other people have done, are there within the book? Like, do you have specific exercises that that follow this sort of like Socratic? mental fitness method um, yeah. that, that you could like potentially uh, talk about right now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the whole idea of the book was, I mean, there's, there's a lot of uh, similarities to what the app was designed to do is again, meet people where they're at in their life. So there's a ton of prompts. There are a ton of profiles. There are people that are present day that I've interviewed. And then there are people that have passed like the Kobe Bryant's and Robin Williams of the world. But every profile in the book, 
They're roughly two to four pages and they all open up with a big, a big prompt. Kobe Bryant, how do I get to the rim? Has nothing to do with getting to the rim. It has everything to do with the mental negotiation he would go through to train at an elite level and how we can also do that as well. So throughout those two to four pages, you have the prompts to, again, pause the narrative, but then you have the practices, whether it's breath work or whether it's journaling and, and pulling it back. Like the example with Kobe was, you know, he used to get up an hour earlier than everyone else in the team and get in an extra workout. But he was the first to say, like, lying in bed when his alarm went off, he wasn't like, hell yeah, I'm going to get out of the bed and mm -hmm. cram into the gym and do an extra workout. And the, 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 the point is that it doesn't matter whether we're playing for the NBA or the Olympics or whatever, we can, we all negotiate, we can all negotiate ourselves to stay in bed or, or do X. <laughs> right. And it's, it's just, again, it's serving that reminder that like, Hey, he was human too. I'm human, but this is that moment to your point from the therapy example. This is that moment. Like, okay, I've got a choice here. I can slow down. I can stop. I can just get back up. And in that profile, I use, um, Oh, what's her name? Everyone knows, um, she's a pretty popular author, but the Mel Robbins. I use her example of the five, four, three, two, one, because her thing is when she was suffering from crippling anxiety and staying in bed, she would just say, five, four, three, two, one, get up. Mm -hmm. And that was the rule. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so there, to, to answer your, your, your question more directly, like each profile is littered full of different mental fitness practices. The book mm -hmm. is really about mental fitness practices. And the idea is that if you have things set up, then there's new stuff in here as well to, to upgrade what you've currently have. And if you don't, it can be one profile. I mean, it's designed to read that in, you know, five to 10 minutes can be your morning mental fitness, essentially. Mm. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to go to say, to, to just kind of stay on the curiosity, um, track that you mentioned earlier. Um, because curious, I, you said that and I was like, yeah, that's, that's one, that's a thousand percent. My mindset on life is like curiosity is, is the thing that is the thing that like dictates my, my, my day, my, my, my life really. And when I was, 20 and I met Jer, um, for the first time at, uh, our yoga teacher training <clears throat> in Brazil that we, that we ended up taking together and rooming together at, um, we were going through, we started diving into yoga philosophy and everything. And that became a really big part of my life for a while. Um, and there's, uh, in, in yoga philosophy, there's a Stanga yoga, um, or eight, the eight limbs of yoga. And one of the, and one of the eight, well, there's niyama and niyama, and then one of the one of those is svadhyaya, and svadhyaya is is like is continuous self study, um, mm. and then and then it gets like and then it gets adapted depending on the context into basically curiosity and 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 always being curious about something, and kind of just had this thought about curiosity being like a little bit like you know some people just have it, some people just are. I I feel like that is that's me through and through. It's always been me, and I. I don't even understand the concept of boredom because I like it doesn't it doesn't compute to me because there's always something I could be thinking about there's always something that I could be learning about something that I could be diving into a conversation with a friend that I could be having time with myself reflection exercise whatever um but then I see a lot of people I know that boredom is like a really big problem for a lot of people it's it's you know you get bored you get complacent you feel like there's nothing to do you start you know scrolling Instagram yeah. or something and you get in this loop or whatever 
And I kind of feel like if people who don't feel like they're inherently curious, like, is there a way to, is there a way to like kickstart curiosity when it's not Ooh. something that's inherent? And I'm thinking of like curiosity, maybe being a little bit like a YouTube algorithm. Yeah. Like if you, yeah. like if you just find the one thing that you really, really love and, and are really like curious about like one thing, then you'll start to, you'll start to like be fed other things that you're curious about. Like yeah. wh- how do you guys, what do you guys think about that? Like in terms of curiosity, being curious and like kickstarting curiosity. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I like that's, that's the, that's the impetus to these, these episodes, right? Like we, we get curious about one idea that pops up on a conversation that we have. And then we, we just shoot a, a text to Lauren and say, Hey, Someone said this thing about like psychological biases. We're curious about that. Find someone so we can talk about it. And then that conversation leads to us, you know, being curious about something else. And, and it's just like this tr- sort of trickle down effect. It very much. I, I love that analogy of the, 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 the YouTube algorithm. It, it, I, to- I totally agree. I, I think, though, that the hard part is, is that and it's like somebody also, Taylor, who, who would identify as a very curious person who doesn't really have any relationship with the idea of what it's like to be bored. Uh, but I also know a lot of people who are, are so like, it's almost like focused on like one thing in their, in their life where like that thing is all consuming. And when they're not doing that thing, they're like basically like sort of like resting, whether it's physically or mentally to do that thing. Like I can think of a number of people in my life who, who, just have that one thing and like that's their thing but like they're <laughs> i wonder like if they're if it's more healthy to like have a more um a more variety in your life to satiate that curiosity mm-hmm. because curiosity really at its at its core is um is like being interested in a number of different things because it's hard to be curious about one specific thing for a really long time. I, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's wrong, but do you guys think that it's, do you think that you can be curious about only one thing? Maybe not only one thing, but I, I mean, but that's you can be ADHD really talking, Brian, <laughs> <laughs> but you can be really curious about, you can be, you know, you can be really curious about something and it can lead you down. I mean, like I've been, I've been uh, like my, my like curiosity in terms of like yoga, for example, like that has, that's like, coming to a that's like been dwindling over the last couple of years mm. but like i mean that that shit went eight years at a breakneck pace you mm-hmm. know like really long time where you're really and and i feel like i mean it, maybe it's maybe it's a part uh uh like part and parcel of our of a more of our generation where where you see people who um as it's reflected in work how you know our parents generation is much more of the uh, you know, get the job, work up the ladder, develop a pension, retirement, yeah. that sort of thing. And in our generation, you see a lot more movement around from company to company, from industry to industry, different lines of work, going into one thing, realizing you don't really like it, going to another, trying to find because we are, and, and maybe that's a really, maybe that's just a, in and of itself, like a really positive sign of curiosity developing within our, more within the population of people that are, not willing to stay too long in something that they cannot keep churning out questions for 
and yeah. they need to find something else. Well, I think there's there there's two two ends of the spectrum. So I mean, I would self-identify with the same way as you guys as being naturally curious, but you can train curiosity as well. And I think that's it comes back to the mental fitness part, right? Like if you're doing if you're dedicating 5 or 10 minutes in the morning during the week answering questions, and, and stimulating your mind like that, you, I, I see it myself, you start asking more questions in other areas in, in life because you just see them. You see like, oh, wait a second, and instead of just reacting into something, right? So the more you do it, just like any, anything else, just like something physical, the more you, you train the muscles, the, 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 the better the results will be and the more you get into that space. But on our side, I think people that are, are overly curious where we have to watch out is kind of what you guys are talking about, but boredom, because boredom is typically hard for us, but to be still and quiet, like to take a walk and not jam a podcast yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. in your ear, <laughs> is, totally. you know, is, yeah. is something I've, I've struggled with as well, but there's, there's a lot of power in that stillness and you get answers actually when, when you're quiet like that. And it feels yeah. for us, it feels really unnatural. Yeah. I've actually, I, I recently got a, a puppy and, and I've been walking him in the morning and, uh, and the, like the more he comfortably gets, I've been taking him, Jerry, I've been taking him to Point Pleasant Park yeah and, uh, and the more comfortable he gets off leash, the more I realize I can sort of like just be left to my own thoughts and like, I'll look back and like call him to come or, or whatever. But that, that moment, because I, I don't feel like I can listen to a podcast in that moment because I have to be like present enough to make sure that the dog's okay but also then it allows me the opportunity for my mind to just sort of go places and and the thing that i've been thinking is like wow i need some more of this in my life because yeah. it yeah. is really nice but because when you're so curious it's so easy to be like i can put on the podcast i could throw that YouTube learn video. something i, could, like, learn I, something. Something, I yeah. could be learning something right now yeah and but then you know i guess missing the idea that you could just be learning yours from yourself yeah. Yeah. You the, the thing that I'm curious about yeah. though, I'm curious about in this moment is, uh, is, is that, so like we're, I mean, obviously all of us hanging out together right now, chatting, we're all curious individuals and like, for sure we feed off of one another's curiosities. So like all the time we're sending, you know, like check out this YouTube video, check out this article that I read, check out this thing. Have you guys thought about this? And we're constantly asking each other questions to sort of like, um, you know, get each other to th- to think about things. And, and so I, I, it makes me want to ask the question, like how important, and has it come up a lot in the work that you've done, Mark, um, that the influence of your like immediate circle or friend group, that the, the influence, influence that that can have on your overall mental fitness and mental fitness practices. Yeah. I mean, so just to paint the physical picture of like what's probably going on in our minds, being really curious and wanting to learn and, and add and add, it's, it's as if we're, you know, we have a room, we've opened the door and we just keep putting boxes in there. Like, oh, this thing, this piece of knowledge and filling it up and filling it up and filling it up. And it, you know, it's good. Like there's purpose to it, but eventually there's no more room to navigate. You know, Mm. you can't see the back wall. You don't even know where that one piece of information is. There's just too much stuff. Right. So I think, and I've been doing it myself. I, I use a lot of, um, Stoic philosophy and Ryan Holiday, for example, he's he's one of the profiles in the book as well. But just making sure there's at least ten or twenty percent of what I'm reading something around stillness or Zen or 
meditation, like something on the other side of just learning new skills and, and asking better questions and stuff like that, just to counterbalance. Because at the end of the day, like we have all the answers typically mm. to the questions that, that, we, that we're inquiring about if we can let our mind be still enough and surface them. It's like, mm. we've all heard this, right? Like, oh yeah, had a great idea in the shower or I was on a run, had an idea. Well, what's happening in those scenarios? Our minds are still, right? Yeah. Mm. It's yeah. funny, I have too many I- ideas and then I just give them to the guys and then it just becomes overwhelming and like nine out of 10 <laughs> times, they're just like not great ideas, even though I think initially that they're a good idea. But, uh, but if you ha- didn't have 10 of them, then you wouldn't have one of them. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we just were, you're an idea, you're an ideas guy. And, and most, most, most of them have to be shitty for the, for, to find <laughs> the right. one that, to find true, the yeah. one that works. Right. Um, we, uh, before we, we kind of close out here, uh, we do have a, a question from one of our patrons. Um, and it's, uh, I'm curious to see what, what you, if you, if, if you're able to tackle this, um, it's, it comes from Roseman. Uh, she's always sending in great questions. Thanks, Roseman. Uh, she asks, how is the Socratic method adapted based on the context? So for example, education used in law and medical school versus therapy used in like CBT. So d- does, the, does the method adapted on, in, those, in those certain contexts, does it change what's happening from a cognitive slash restructuring perspective in the mind of the student or the patient? Well, so thank you for that question, because that's, I hated the title of this book at the, at the beginning. It was the publisher that suggested it. And I didn't like it because all I knew about Socrates was that there was a Socrates that exists. And apparently he asked a lot of questions, right? <laughs> right? So, uh, so then I started digging into it and I was like, wow, okay, so this, I, I see like, this is what I'm doing, or these are the type of, of, of questions and, and what I've been learning from all those podcast guests. Um, but, but there's got to be a better way to modernize the approach to the point of the, 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 the listener asking the question so that it's applicable, not just in an academic setting, which is essentially what Socrates was. It was his students. It's like they'd, they'd answer the question, then they'd ask a follow-up question and a clarifying question, probing, and just keeps going. And I don't know, like, I don't remember all of that. I'm, and I don't think like when you have to really think about principles and things like that, like there's no way you're going to use that in an everyday scenario. Mm. So what I tried to do, and that's how the book is structured, was structure questions around no matter what the situation, to first ask questions to seek clarity, slow down, figure out what's going on. If that's something with your health, it's like, how am I feeling? Where am I feeling that? Where's the anxiety? Just slow down, like acknowledge those thoughts. Then, then you can move into asking questions around intentionality. Like, like okay, well, now I've, I've, I've diagnosed that there's a problem here. Now, what can I do? Like, what can I do today to skirt around that or, or navigate through it? And what can I do daily and, and set up like what practices can I consistently be doing to get to the, the end outcome? So right in my case it was like, the clarity was, what do I want for my life? Mm-hmm. Map that all out. The intentionality was, okay, well, these are the things I'll need to do. And then the third part happens by default if you're doing those first two things. And it's just an, an expansion of possibility because now you can see, like you can see the signs. Like when, the, when, when, it, when I pitched this book to, to the current publisher and, or sorry, they pitched the, the publishing deal to me. And it was a hell yes, because 
I had spent so much time thinking about, well, what avenue do I want to go? Do I want to try to pitch this to like Penguin and do a, a massive book PR kind of push or whatever book proposal or self-publish? And in this case, it sits right in the middle. Mm. Um, but it was a hell yes, just because I'd spent time, time in those first two steps. So it doesn't matter what the scenario is. It doesn't matter what the job is. If you can spend time getting clear first, slowing down enough, then getting into being a little bit more intentional on how you're living or how you're approaching the problem, then all of a sudden, you know, you'll get to the solutions. Mm -hmm. Well, Mark, I got to say, <clears throat> dude, it's, it's so nice to, to be able to sit down, uh, even though not in person to sit down and see your face and, and have another lovely chat. Uh, you're just such a rad human and we're stoked about the book. Uh, again, it's called personal Socrates. It's funny earlier. I said, uh, the book's being published in October as if, this isn't October right now. Uh, a little bit of a behind the scenes. We're recording this in August, and, but, the, but, but, but the episode's actually uh, is out Oct in in October. So the book's probably uh, available now, and yeah. uh, and so probably maybe fucking maybe, sweet probably. Uh, uh, so where can people get their hands on the book? And uh, and then on top of that, Mark, how can people stay up to date with what you're up to and uh, and listen to the podcast? Yeah, well, thanks guys. Honestly, I mean. Uh, I could go on for hours with you guys. It's, the energy is awesome on this show. So thanks for having me and, and you know, lighten up my day. Um, Behindthehuman.com is where I live. So you can find everything there. There'll be links to the book, uh, but it'll be on Amazon US, Amazon Canada to start. Um, and yeah, just, just search personal Socrates and look for the, uh, the guy with the gray hair and you'll, uh, you'll come up with the book. <laughs> awesome. Well, Mark, thanks a lot, dude. Thanks, it's Mark. so nice to sit down and chat with you, man. Thank you. That is it for today. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. If you like what you heard, make sure that you share our podcast with your friends. We love those extra ears. Sick Boy Podcast is a Snack Labs production. It is produced by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, Brian Stever, and Lauren Sankey. Sound design is coming to you from Donovan the Meerkat Morgan. The music of the show is from our friend Rich O'Coin. And Sick Boy Podcast is managed by Jeffrey Lonis. That is it for today. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.